Welcome to the Fremont Presbyterian Church Podcast. Here at Fremont, we create space for people to become lifelong followers of Jesus, and we relentlessly pursue His transformation of our neighborhood, our city, and the world. Here's today's message. I'm going to give you a heads up that as I read these words in the first service, these words of Jesus from Luke chapter 6, these are, has to be, I think, some of Jesus' hardest teaching. This has to be some of Jesus' hardest teaching for us. So I just wanted to let you know that as we embark on this, it felt really quiet in the 9 a.m. service. I don't know if you felt that. Um, It might feel really quiet as we let these words sink in. And we have to determine and decide, did Jesus know what he was talking about? Did Jesus, does Jesus have some things to say to us about our lives here and now? And yes, these could be very difficult words for us to live with and embrace. So with that, if you have your Bibles, I think you're going to see what I mean in the first few words. Um, Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. And over these next several weeks, just before I get to, to reading this, we're going to look at the, the characteristic of generosity in Jesus. Not just, does he walk around and go give money to everybody? No. But what about him exudes generosity of grace and love and forgiveness? And we're going to see a couple instances where people respond to his generosity and lavish all kinds of things upon him. And the question for us is, what do we do with the generosity of God towards us? So Luke chapter 6 starts like this. Verse 27, it says, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. It's really quiet in here, isn't it? And at first glance, these words seem unrealistic, right? Let's be honest. How how can anyone do that? What was Jesus intending in teaching that? 
What kind of response was he looking for from, from his audience? And, and you may have noticed that he prefaced it with it to you who are listening. If you're listening, some of you may recognize these words as, as ones that are found in a similar way to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, considered by many to be some of the best teaching ever in the history of humanity. But what do we do with this? Well, let's consider these words from Dr. Martin Luther King. He says, loving your enemies, far from being the pious injunction of a utopian dreamer, this demand is an absolute necessity for the survival of our civilization. Yes, it is love that will save our world and civilization, love even for our enemies. Think about our world today. Do those words and do the words of Jesus have anything to say into our world that's riddled with conflict and war? Dr. King says love of enemies is an absolute necessity and and we understand that his context decades ago was different. He was speaking about racial reconciliation and equality, a struggle that does continue today. And we're well aware that history tells us that there were enemies of that message within and outside the church. But what about today? What what situations do we look at in the news around us and wonder whether or not these words could apply there? Conflicts between Israel and Gaza dominates the headlines. Has anybody forgotten that Ukraine and Russia are still at war. Country that is close to to my heart, in Ethiopia and the Amhara region, the fighting there has led to countless casualties, death. Gang violence in Haiti, another country that our church has partnership with, seems to be reaching new levels of destruction. Every country that I just mentioned, if you were to ask a resident of that country, they would be able to easily identify who their enemy was. Sometimes we may have a harder time. We often, because we're not currently at war with any particular country, we may think more relationally, friendships, someone that said something harsh to us or or passive-aggressive to us. We're still chewing on what they meant. But let's remember what Je- how Jesus spoke this into a particular situation in which the country of, of Israel had, had a, a long history of empire after empire taking over that area. And so Jesus' audience would have been able to pick out the enemies. It was Roman officials and and soldiers that they saw on a daily basis that burdened them with taxation and and caused them to, to live a life of not being free. Can you imagine just sitting here and listening to Jesus say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you? I think we have to remember what Jesus was after when he was teaching. And let's ask the question, could the words of Jesus 
love of enemies, could it actually do some good today? Or are they simply the words of a dreamer? What would an act of love look like between two groups of people that are constantly at odds with one another? And what might that do? As I mentioned earlier, the generosity of Jesus is shown not only in his attitude towards possessions and money and things like that, but it's in how we treat one another. And I believe what he's saying is that because if we, if we trust in the love and the provision of God the Father, we can be free to love those even who oppose us and we are free to give to anyone who asks. And I believe that, that with these words, as with almost all of the teaching of Jesus, as I understand them, they're meant to ask, make us ask this question. What kind of person could live like this? What kind of person does what is, not, what is so out of the ordinary? What kind of person can be generous like this, loving those that hate them? Another way of asking is, what would have to be present in my life to be able to respond to hate or enemies like this? What would have to be present in my life if somebody were to ask me for something that I would give without expecting repayment? Let's be honest for a minute. I don't know if there are any bankers in the room. The practice of lending money without expecting repayment. Good business plan, bad business plan. What do you think? We live in a world where you, you can't do this, right? But is Jesus talking about going to the bank? He's talking about the relationships that you and I might have with one another. What would have to be present in my life if you were to come and ask me for something that I would give freely of it and not just do it because I expect to be repaid in some way. One, I think one of the things that have to be present is a certainty that God will provide for my needs. Has to be a certainty that God, in the ways that He has been faithful in the past, will be faithful again. And I also believe another thing that would have to be present is that a recognition that my enemy, the one who hates me, is first and foremost made in the image of God. We live in a world, don't we, where, where those that stand on another side of an issue or, or our enemies or those that hate us, we are so quick to label them that we can forget that truth that they too are made in the image of God. They are broken and in need of God's grace and love just like me, just like you. So let's be really clear about this, this path that Jesus is laying out here. This is not easy. It's not meant to be easy. But we see him live out this very truth in the way that he suffered and died. The very people that knew the words of God 
that could have recognized him as God's son were the very ones that sentenced him to death. And yet he went through that to show us his deep love for us. So Jesus is not telling us anything that he himself was not willing to do. Loving enemies, giving to those who ask, lending freely. These are pictures, pictures of what a person following Jesus would look like. What a person living in the reign of the kingdom of God, this is what we might expect to see. Now, I believe that the mission of Jesus is inviting us into this abundant life of living in the kingdom of God. And he tells us again and again through his teaching, his parables, what the kingdom is like and what God is like. And as he teaches what the person who calls himself a disciple of Jesus, Jesus teaches what that person will look like in their words, their actions, and their heart. And yes, what we celebrate today here at the table, Jesus fulfilled that mission by suffering humiliation and torture and arrest and the cross. He suffered, he died, and he was resurrected by the power and plan of God. But I believe this, that the goal of Jesus goes beyond securing our salvation. What Jesus was also after is creating a community of people who lived out the gospel in the world. Now, at the very beginning of this chapter, if you go back and you look at Luke chapter 6, Jesus is confronted by people in religious authority for whom religion is about going without. It's about obeying and enforcing the rules. This is what I I mean. If you look at Luke chapter 6, the beginning of the chapter is Jesus being confronted by the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, for picking grain on the Sabbath. The second story is about Jesus going into the synagogue and healing a man that has a withered hand. But he does it again on what? The Sabbath. And then come these words. And the contrast, I think, is is intentional for us to say that often religion we think of it as the things that we are not to do. The things that we are not to do, there are rules, there are, there are, are things that we should not do, and, and Jesus lived in that world where the religious authorities of his day said, no, no, you're breaking a rule if you feed somebody on the Sabbath. You're breaking a rule if you heal somebody with an illness on the Sabbath. And then Jesus talks about what God's love looks like. It is generous. And maybe some of us struggle with this this idea. Maybe your conception of God is, is that he is strict and stringent. He's not gonna give you anything. 
Jesus, I think, wanted to turn that idea upside down and say, oh, how great is the Father's love for us that we would be called children of God. That's not Jesus. That's one of the New Testament letters. But Jesus came to show us the generous grace of God. Jesus operates differently than religion. Yes, there are boundaries to our lives when we follow Jesus, but there is this tremendous freedom that we see in the Gospels to do what is right, not to earn the favor of God, but because the favor of God has already been given to us, it frees us to live differently. Biblical scholar Fred Craddock writes this. He considers this definition of what a disciple of Jesus looks like. They, disciples, are not to react, but to act according to kingdom principles of love, forgiveness, and generosity. Such behavior is a pursuit of that life one learns from God who does not reciprocate, but who is kind even to the ungrateful and the selfish. If you get caught up on this God who does not reciprocate, think about this. The scriptures that Dave read for us today in our time of confession and the call to worship, it was while we were yet sinners, God did not reject us, but was generous towards us and gave us his one and only son. God does not act towards us the way that we have acted towards him because he is good. Such is the mercy and grace of God. His generosity is one that pours out rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. The scriptures say that he longs for all people to be saved and come to a knowledge and love of Jesus the Son. And yet, I think as we read these words of Jesus, this generosity might offend us. Consider what Craddock goes on to say. He says, the difficulty many of us have with God's kindness is therefore twofold. First, God behaves with favor towards persons whose lifestyle does not merit such favor. And second, we are to relate to others with the same graciousness. God's people do not so often quarrel with God about how they themselves are treated as they do about how God is too generous toward others. And then Craddock says something provocative. He says, it's not an overstatement to say that Luke 6.35 expresses the essence of the whole gospel. You can agree with this or not. What's Luke 6.35? Well, it's these words of Jesus, but love your enemies, do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the most high because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. You've got to ask yourself, is Craddock off his rocker? Or is there the essence of the gospel contained within this? is what he's saying is that the essence of the gospel of this is it begins with the mercy and love of God towards us while we were undeserving, while we were enemies, while we were sinners, God came to us. While we were hostile, 
He was kind to us in Jesus Christ. He sent his son to show us the kingdom, to teach us about the kingdom. He sent his son so that our failures and sins were forgiven and we were set free through what Jesus did on the cross. And why Craddock, I think, says that Luke 6.35 is the essence of the gospel is that we do not rest simply in that reality and truth. But God's kindness towards us is meant to lead to a repentance, a changing of our mind, so that we actually might be the people who do not seek revenge and retaliation toward those who hurt and hate us. But instead, we love and lend, trusting God to be our supply. We love and we lend because our identity is being children of God. And we love and we lend because God first loved us. Let's pray together. Oh, gracious God, the words of your son, they do offend us. We wonder how we could ever, ever live like this. The hurts and the hate that we have all experienced in different ways makes it so difficult for us to forgive. Makes it so difficult for us to love. But we know the way of the kingdom is this generous love that you poured out onto us so that we might so love the world. Lord, help us in this. You know our hearts. You know how we hold on to hurt. But may we love and do good to those who oppose us. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Fremont Presbyterian Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit fremontpress.org. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 a.m. in the Sanctuary for Classic Worship and 10.30 a.m. in the Community Life Center for Modern Worship. You can catch the live stream of both services at fremontpress.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to get the latest episode each week. Thanks for listening. 